A Christian mind is not one that is trained to think only about Christian topics. It is a mind that has learned to think about everything from a Christian perspective. We have to understand God rightly to know him intimately. It is the gospel that orients my thinking on every other issue. You can know if you're trusting in Jesus that every single atom in this universe is working for your good. That's why I'm sticking with Jesus. Not because he always does what I want him to do. I'm sticking with Jesus because I just haven't found any better alternative. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Black Berea podcast. This is episode 72. My name is Mary and I'm on the pod with Gabby and Israel. How are you guys doing? Yo, yo, yo. Israel, so the last time... Gabby, I'm going to come to you, don't worry. Come, but... come, I'm, I'll wait. Let's interview <laughs> the brother, interview him. <laughs> so Israel, you've been on the episode this year, I believe. I might be wrong. But Say that again, sir. You've been on the pod since we've been back this year, right? Because mm-hmm. you was on the one about membership. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But obviously... You, you've been, you've like, something's changed and I don't think we spoke <laughs> about it. So how's married life? Because mm-hmm. you got married, you got married in what, mid-August? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, am I correct or was it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Pandemic. So yeah, how's, how's, what's marriage teaching you about <laughs> pandemic? Don't worry, I was there um, via Zoom <laughs> and YouTube. The tech, your tech team really tried that day. But yeah, how, how's married <laughs> life? Like, what are you learning about yourself, your wife? Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. what is it teaching you about? god and the gospel as well yeah um i've been enjoying it it's um it's a little it's a little interesting and or it's interesting to pass marriage right now in the middle of a pandemic because i think for for rachel and i we've we've constantly been asking the question um over the past six months or coming to six months has been like what what about this is because we're now newlyweds and we're adjusting to life or what about this is just the pandemic? Um, I'm trying to, you know, pass out those those two dynamics um, because obviously we knew that there's going to be a lot of change to like our daily patterns and assumptions and behaviors. They're going to clash in different ways and they have, um, but we're also spending all the time in our flat now because everything's online and no one's really going out. Um but it's been fun to be able to spend so much more time than I think we thought we would have had in the first couple of months. Um, what is it? What am I learning about myself? Uh, that I have deeply ingrained habits. So, you know, um, <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys you not know, know that. that I can, <laughs> well, as like, I knew, th- I know that, but I, I think, I think I, I, I saw it as, you know, being limited to like, like your habits for for getting dressed in the morning or um your laundry routine but like for me it goes even down to my hobbies so you guys know me as a theology nerd but like i think rachel's really seen the the fullness of that um it's deeper than we know it's deeper it's it's really so like i listen to about two or three sermons a day Two or three um, sermons. Well, day, this is the perfect podcast for you this is your podcast bro Uh, and and for example, like I will, so yeah, I'll put it on like the TV and play and blast the sermon as I'm going about doing something in the morning. And Rachel will be like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> Let's press up for the system and press up. <laughs> and, and just like, recognizing, oh, right. But this is what, like, for me, it's the fault. Like I didn't really, it just, like, I'm just playing another, I'm just playing another sermon. Like this is what I do. Um, oh. Recognizing that. <laughs> Um, or like my early morning routine and 
how that clashes with with her sleep cycle. Um, what time are you getting up in, in the morning? Between four and five. And are these so things? Not, I, I don't know. I, on average, like it's it fluctuates, but you know, like recognizing, oh, that's not. It's not Rachel's wake up time, and that's not most I... people's wake up time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember Israel from uni, and that guy was at the uni uni at like six seven yeah, a.m. Yeah. I what pre- time do you I, go to bed? I, I've got a lot of questions. What time do <laughs> you go to sleep? <laughs> um, I'm getting ready to sleep from nine. Okay, but I, I like on a good day, I'll hit, I'll hit the bed at nine thirty, and I sleep within like five minutes of resting my blessed, head. Blessed, I, blessed. I knock out, but typically like ten, and so. Really, the, like I, if I average it out, I do about ten to five, um, and then you know, changes sometimes with. I might and these things don't come up in wedding prep. I don't know. I don't. I've not been there. I don't know what them guys are talking about. <laughs> but I think like, oh, obviously, once you've done the big stuff, you know, do we breathe the gospel? What does marriage right, look like? Right, you know, right. oh, what's the weird things that you do that I should know? I get up at four a.m. You should. <laughs> 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 We did talk about it, but I think it was the reality, the everyday experience of it. Like it's one thing to say I wake up at five, but it's another thing for you to be now disturbing the bed and moving at five a.m. Oh lord, at five, and it takes like a good four months to get used to. Oh, this 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 whole another human body is going to disturb me at five in the morning every with day. loud sermons. With <laughs> and you can't even be mad because he's being godly. You can't even be mad. You can't be like, oh, the brother's going to pray. You can't even be angry about it. Oh, what can you do? So like, I've had to make a lot of adjustments in terms of like how I do. So like, I'm trying to transition, and I'm still working on a transition to like um, Apple Watch um, um, alerts instead of like an actual alarm. That oh, that's nice. That. So that yeah, and that's that's a little hard for me. But those like learning that and saying okay, this is gonna over a long time can be really frustrating so what adjustments can we make i think i'm thinking of and you guys can you know fund this if you want i'm thinking of buying an electric mm-hmm. uh, uh electric watch that shocks you to wake you up it's about 200 dollars though so oh it exists already i thought you're trying to invest yeah. it it's already a watch nah. that will give you electric shock in your bed yeah within like obviously the range that he I'm not can <laughs> <to them. laughs> um oh, gosh. but yeah so that's one example um but overall, it has been fun. Like it's been, it's been great to be able to like just spend a lot of time together and um, invest in each other's hobbies and careers, even at this point as well, which has been fantastic. No, I think I think that's probably one of the better things about the pandemic. Because married couples have have spent a very, very, very insane amount of time with one another, and obviously sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But mm. for most couples who've just got married, it must be delightful. So that's that's good, good to know. And, and uh, yeah, fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And Gabby, you was you was um, I, I noticed I was just on my IG, just just flicking through, and I saw you know shout out my friend Sarah. I just thought, wait, do I not know this girl? She was just sharing like a link, and I'm just seeing <laughs> Gabby teaching, teaching at uh, this, is this Cold Missions Women's Day? Like you don't want to, yeah, don't want to tell us. Sometimes, wanna, no sometimes Gabby teaches so small, you know. <laughs> You know, sometimes it's my job. Um, yeah, so so Saturday just gone was Commission's Women's Day. It was actually jokes because obviously pandemic, so it was all online. There was 500 women plus online. No, then once wow. if it was in the room, I might sweat. But because it's just me and a camera, I just imagine it's just going into someone's folder on, on their laptop. But yeah, there's over 500 women locked in um, on Saturday. It's crazy, really. But yeah, that's, that was my weekend. 
<laughs> and what what was the uh, I'm sorry I'm looking at some of the discussion group questions but what are you the group questions wait what, what's going on what's going on trusting in God's sovereignty was that the main yeah so it was the it was a like a more thematically arranged kind of event so um point number one God's sovereign point number two God's good Point number three, therefore you can trust him. That's basically it. Um, That's a word. That's a word. That is a word. Hallelujah. Um, There was no offering plate though online in it. Can't send the offering plate. I'm joking. Um, (laughs) But yeah, basically thinking about what does it mean that God's sovereign? And I was, I tried to root it in Matthew 1. So the genealogy of Jesus and just thinking that like, it's a part of the Bible that's quick to skip. We all skip a genealogy because it's just bare names. It's long. Um, but actually, this is generations and generations and generations of God sovereignly working in human history um, for the good of his people to bring about the Messiah. Mm. And the same God that's sovereign for generations in some of the wildest situations. So I kind of looked at some of the lives of the women. you got Tamar mm. in there, wild. Ruth in there, wild. But I slowed down with Bathsheba. And when you really tell Bathsheba's story, mm. you know that situation was wild. Um, but yeah, it did, I'm sure Bathsheba, if, if she'd ever been taught of God's sovereignty, she would have certainly questioned it. She's laying her child to rest. Yeah, she's questioning God's sovereignty. Um, but yeah, but God has been working in famine and war and uh, harvest and and all kinds of seasons for the good of his people. Um, and it's the same God that we have today. So God is sovereign. But often God's sovereignty is not um, a joy to us. It's like, oh, it's cool, but it doesn't really move us. So thinking about why God's sovereignty doesn't move us. And it's often because we don't believe that the God that's sovereign is the same God that's good and good to his people. Um so that's kind of where we were at. That was the chat. She mm, preached, no. She did. Guys, and the, the clip is still online. So if anybody is wants it? to. Is it? I don't know. I've not even seen it. <laughs> can't, I can't watch back. I don't want to see it. I've got that. a link on my IG. So if you might can wants... enjoy it. I don't want to hear it. All right, me. And also, <laughs> Israel, Israel and Gabby are both gifted speakers, and we have a speaker request form on our You're on our, funny. Our website. So if you do want to <laughs> if you do want to book any of them for an event you have, blackbrewer.com forward slash speaker request form. So enjoy yourselves. But yeah. Glad to see you guys are doing okay in your in your adventures. So today we're going to be talking about continuing our Church in the Wild series. Where so last week we spoke about preaching, the week before that we spoke about fellowship, and I think we've covered a, a lot of topics. But today we're actually going to be talking about kind of sermons, kind of sermons and Bible study. I think we've grouped it as. Um, so first question, because obviously Israel said he listens to two to three sermons a day. I'm sure Gabby probably does. You know. I listen to my Sunday Sunday preacher. That's who I'm locked into. That's about that. But anyway, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's start with like quick one. So, what's like your most memorable sermon that you've listened to? So it could be all, a fantastic all time, question. That's a fantastic or it could be of recent. Rob, Gabby said it's a fantastic question. Fan- pursue- Sorry, I pursue- thought, I thought you were talking to Israel. I, I know, I know shit off the bat. My, my most memorable sermon, and it's okay. actually by my actual favorite preacher. It's not even gas. One hundred percent, my favorite preacher is actually my elder Yannick Christos. Will have Google the brother, mm. the brother, Rabbi Nai, <laughs> but also just a godly, 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 godly brother. Anyway, but um, he preaches a sermon about the atonement. Um. Of Christ, I remember one time. I think he preached it from Leviticus, talking about the Day of Atonement, and he and I remember the sermon is yeah. First of all, what a, what a text to be preaching. Um, we have a bit of Leviticus jokes, um, but also he uses this uh, sermon illustration. And you know, no, someone some, sometimes then things just stick with you. I think that's how that's supposed to work. It's supposed to stick with you, and he talks about when there's a bushfire in those countries that have bushfires. Um, when you're trying to keep people safe, the safest place to put them is where the fire has already burned. 
because there's nothing left to burn there. So the fire won't come back that way. The safest place to be is where the fire is already burned. And the safest place for the Christian to be is in Christ because there the wrath of God has already burned. It won't burn again. Do you know how re- that that mm. thing lives in my mind? Rent free, <laughs> rent free. Mm. Um, I think that, yeah, shit off the bat. That's probably one of my most memorable sermons. And I've, I've been in church, church for a long time. But yeah, that's for me, that's one of my one of my most revisited sermons for sure. Brilliant. Uh, Israel, what about you? Before before Israel even goes, I was, I, was, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the mic toward... Uh, oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> this brother, I said, how is the sound and tech still going? The tech the, team is doing a lot of work in that place. So I let you, I let you, I felt so sorry for the microphone, but yeah, anyone who's seen it, it's a uh, Mike Todd. who's a preacher. He had one the week before kind of in a oh. kiddie pool. And I think his, his point was that, you know, Christians were very shallow. And then today he had, I think yesterday, today's the 1st of Feb, he had one where he was like drowning. They well, flooded drowning. the stage. Yeah. They basically flooded they really the stage. Did. I watched it they this morning. They flooded yeah. the stage. You know, I loved, you know what I loved about it? Of course, you know, we can discuss it, whatever, but I just love like, mm-hmm. He's, he's preparing a sermon and then he probably has in his notes, okay, cue water pouring over my head to Man's illustrate in, in the <laughs> world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shout out. yeah, shout shout out Mike Todd. But yeah, um Israel, what was a what's your most memorable sermon? <laughs> yeah. Um Wow, I've been trying to think about this one. I mean, <laughs> there are a couple, I guess. Um and so it's hard to really define which one's most memorable. I'm guessing you're also referring to like which one's been the most significant, um, almost impactful, right? Yeah, yeah, it or can that... be. It, it can also just be, yeah. I would say yes, yeah. But okay. if you do have a story of someone, I don't know, something ha- something dramatic happened, and you remember that, then you can say it as well. Man, that's that's tough. I I will start with um like extending back as as far as i can think um i already know this name is going to come up so i might as well just get it out of the way timothy um, keller timothy j keller that's a j uh, <laughs> respect all the weight on it there's a j in there uh he had a sermon called struggle for love um on rachel and leah um and essentially the dynamics at play um, in the in the yeah in the polygamous marriage that that um, Jacob had with with Rachel and Leah, and, I, and it's been a long time since I've listened to that sermon. Um, but one of the things that really stood out to me is how um, essentially Keller just did a whole entire psycho psycho um, analytical analysis of life and showing um, and this is a major theme in Jacob's life um the struggle for love and the and the the pursuit of the blessing and the affection of all and really what the heart um is longing for is the affection of god um and then you see that in leah as well um when every time she gives birth she names the child something different that refers to uh, a struggle for affection um and then keller ultimately essentially shows um the the human need for god through the psychological which is i mean at the time this is probably i first listened to it uh i guess like 2014 13 but it it just i think it broke through a part of me that i hadn't really um considered before because before then i i really understood life as 
um, the interplay between physical and intellectual realities. Um, but it opened for me this re this understanding that there's actually more at play in the decisions and the the way you run your life than you realize. And we actually stop to look back. You recognize that the things that you're doing um, are driven by a desire far deeper than you see. Um, and so deep that they can only fully be met by God. Uh, so that was just like, yeah, it, it was eye-opening for me. Most recently, Alistair Begg had a sermon on um, his first sermon on on that he preached at. No, I don't think it was the first sermon he preached, actually, but way back like in the 1980s, he has one on the meaning of, um, or not, the, the meaning of life through the lens of death, um, where he just talks about um, the significance of death and um, the the conquering of death through the the work of Jesus Christ, which is it was impactful just because I think I, death is something that really plagues my mind a lot, um, and so thinking about the, the the reality of death and the conquering of death through the work of Jesus Christ is really it just moved me. I think that was like last week, so. Yeah. Oh wow! Shout out to Beg. Um, I think one I will share is kind of a funny issue one, but um, I was at a conference in 2014, and the, the conference was like a youth conference. No, actually, no, it wasn't a youth conference. It was a conference, and I went with with a group of group of people, and I was with my friend. And the main speaker at this at the conference was going to be uh, D. A. Carson, and we were all looking forward to listening to him. So I was, we just got there. I was talking to my friend. We we're looking through the names of the speakers, and we we're like, "Oh, who's this guy at 7 p.m. today?" Like, I was going to give it a miss. Like, who is he? Kind of didn't really know who he was. We're like, "Now nah, we'll check out D. A. or whoever's preaching tomorrow." Then last minute, my friend and I just decided to go, and this kind of guy gets on the stage and he starts talking about. Um, when you know every time a man preaches the word god is speaking and yeah it, it generally just changed my whole perspective of sermons and listening to preaching um because at the time i was like first of all i had i used to just think that okay unless you're piper or at that time mark chandler shout out matt chandler um what are you really saying and also i just thought that sermons were almost like entertainment there was a time when i was just used to bang out sermons for fun and he would he just changed my whole perspective of when God is, when God God speaks through His Word, uh, and when God speaks, you must listen and you must respond respond in obedience. So, listening to a sermon or listening to a, a word being preached is 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 God speaking to you and God directly calling you to change. And I was just like, and it was. I remember looking over at my friend and being like, "Oh my days! Like we was gonna skip this because we don't know who this man is." And I can't even remember his name. Um, but yeah, since then it's it's completely changed how I listen to sermons and listen to preaching. Um, and it kind of uh, revitalized how I taking and how I prioritize preaching. Uh, but yeah, that was a definitely a memorable sermon for me. So how do you guys know when you're listening well to a sermon? So, you know, yesterday was Sunday, listening to the sermon in your local church. Like, how did you know that was, like, how did you prepare for that sermon? Mm. Um, I think, well, the most thing, the most basic thing to, to state is, to just literally be paying attention. So in the moment, how do you know you're listening to a sermon is that you're actually paying attention, which means as far as possible, not being distracted um, by other uh, information given sources and namely here, like your phone, um, emails, all that kind of other stuff. Uh, so that you're actually hearing 
what is being said because sermons um, are principally, uh, you know, auditory, even if they have, like we mentioned with Mike Todd, and we can talk about him some more later, even if you have uh, visuals to age the sermon or props, it's still primarily, principally an audio, um, there's a better word for it, auditory, right, that's the word, it's primarily an auditory act, and so it requires um, deliberate intention, attention in the moment. Um, yeah, I'll say that much and then throw some other thoughts later. Mm. Gary? Yeah, How I do think, you listen well to a sermon? Um, yeah, I think for me to be listening well to a sermon, especially thinking about, about Sundays, um, yeah, I think there's probably a, f- a few things that I'm kind of thinking before before the person starts preaching. I, um, I don't want to take for granted that that my heart is always going to be soft to God's word, that, um, yeah, that I'm always going to be ready to to hear what um, is being taught from, from God's word. So I, I want to pray. I want to be praying um, that, I'd have, that I'd have ears to hear, that I'd have a soft heart. I want to pray that I wouldn't be distracted. I want to be praying for the preacher. I think the more I teach the Bible, the more I'm like, do you know how much of a stress job that is? Hmm. When you stand up in the pulpit to really, to really going to teach God's word to somebody, do you know? how much weight is on your shoulders um and obviously there's lots of motivations for people in preaching and so you want to be praying that um that they would joyfully decrease um and that they would be preaching faithfully and all that kind of thing um but I think I think that's made a massive difference for me in in kind of my engagement with with sermons both before and after the sermon actually it's actually just it's it's, 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 this is so basic (laughs) but it's actually reading the passage before (laughs) before they preach and after they preach um I think I don't want to. Yeah, it's been a real help for me not to be coming to a sermon cold. But if they're going to be preaching a passage, which is which is usually the way that preachers um, in my local church would kind of be preaching, let me read it beforehand, just so I'm, I've got a mm. vague starting point um, before they preach. And then, even more beneficial than that for me is after they've preached, reading it again, um, just helping me to really bed in what they've said on a Sunday. Someone who is gifted and godly, who has, has put hours into this sermon, let me not just give it 40 minutes and cut. <laughs> let me actually, after they're preached, read this passage again and think about, oh, when they said that, okay, cool. What does that look like? Where, where, where? Um, so I think for me to be approaching and kind of leaving a sermon well is to be is to be prayerful um, and to be actually looking at the passage that they're trying to preach. <laughs> it, yeah, it's been really helpful for me, actually. Mm, yeah i would agree with you i also that's why i also try and encourage pastors to try and keep, not to keep the sermon too long because after after 50, after, 50, after 55 minutes yeah i've realized this I'm, I'm it's kind of over for me i just i don't remember you're very gracious 55 yeah what's that after what? yeah i'll say 55 is when i start to think yeah this summer bro i'm hungry like, like what's going on <laughs> wow that's amazing <laughs> uh, okay. uh. Kingsley tweeted it the other day about like he thinks ninety percent of sermons should should be like max forty minutes, and I agree with him. And I'll, and he's gonna die on the hill, and I'll die on the hill with him. But <laughs> after a while, I'm interesting. <laughs> that's why I love Israel. Israel different traditions, isn't it? When I was yeah, when I was younger, and I'd go church. Um, yeah, sermons are easily hour fifteen. Yeah, easily. yeah. Growing up when I was young in church, and you knew that because um, aunties had to bring snacks for the kids. Because we were going to be here for a while, but I think um, <laughs> the order, like kids, kids, you're going to put your kids to bed on the few chairs next to you because we're going to be here, and you're coming back for evening service. If you're lucky, that one might come in under an hour, but you know, prayer and tarrying, 
we might go over. But um, but yeah, I think 35, 40 minutes, that's kind of where I want to be. That's lovely. But yeah, I was going to ask. That's lovely. When you're listening to a sermon, like when during the sermon or after the sermon, do you, what are you what are you thinking? That are you thinking? Um, I'll give you a few things. Are you thinking? Okay, what was the, what was the sermon about? What was the text? What what did I gain? What did I take away? Because that was when I was younger, and even even to, I still do it recently. I'll go home and I'll think like, what did I gain from this sermon? And if I can't really think of anything to take away, I'd almost feel like is this not a good sermon? Um, so yeah. So when, when you're when you're listening to a sermon, what are the things you're you're trying to like grasp? Do you think every sermon should have like application points? That's probably a question. No, that's a perfect question for both of you because you man teach. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like what are you looking to take or what are you trying to glean from a sermon? Um, I think in well insight into the into the word because essentially. Um, one of the irreducible features of a sermon is that it actually ex- enlightens the listener regarding what the text says. Um, and so sometimes that's called interpretation or exposition, exegesis, there's different words for it. Um, but just to be able to say, here's what's going on in the passage. And then the second part would be, here's why that matters for your life application um and i think those two features are like that's what i'm looking for when i think about what what have i taken away from the sermons what have i learned about this passage and um what am i to do about what am i to do with my life now in light of what has been shown in this passage um again that's probably the goal of some you know there's different preaching traditions but generally speaking that's also the goal of the sermon for the preacher is to is to do the same um but if you can name those two then i think you can say okay i've actually taken away um the substance of this sermon if you can name what you've learned from this passage and what you're to do about it Mm. gabby anything you would add no i think definitely you want to you want to be taking away what what they've said <laughs> like they've put in work to, to understand what is the point of this passage what was the writer trying to communicate and um and and the preacher is trying to communicate that to us as the congregation and so i want to be it's funny i'm not i'm probably not trying to i'm trying to take away what he's telling me his main point is um so I want to listen for what he's telling me this is about and I want to take that away. But it's interesting what Isol was saying about application. It's, I've been really mindful of this recently that I think when I, so Isol says like, oh, what are you supposed to do with this? Like that's application. And my instinct is always to hear do and think, okay, so that means I need to call this person and, you know, <laughs> um, I need to, I need to tidy my house more often. Like I need something practical with my hands to do. But I think um, like, yeah, most of us do do is how will I, think differently how will i um how will i train my heart differently what will my mm. mind dwell on differently what truths do i need to cling mm. to more vividly um what mm. do i need to um know about god m- more more vividly so um yeah i'm i think i'm mindful and and that necessarily oftentimes will lead to a difference in behavior um but i don't always want to look for just behavior things that i can do differently um yeah, if the passage is talking to how I think, then I want to be thinking about how my thinking will change. If the passage is telling me something about God, I want to be thinking about how my thinking about God should change. Um, 
and that may lead to change behavior in lots of situations it will um, but sometimes it will lead to change motives sometimes it will and the same behavior <laughs> um, um so yeah so application being our, yeah our minds our hearts and and our hands not not just our hands i think sometimes you can want something very tangible i'm going to do this um but sometimes it's i'm going to think like this i'm going to i'm going to check my motives regarding this um, yeah yeah and i yeah. think that's yeah. really helpful is what you're going to say then no, 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 I was just agreeing. Go on. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because I think growing up listening to sermons, it was usually very like five steps to how to uncover this or 10 steps to how to do this. Definitely, and yeah. It's very easy for me kind of to walk that through. Um, but I think sometimes when you're, when you're listening to a sermon and, and act, the priority is just explaining the scriptures, um, it's, it's a lot easier to marvel at God as opposed to thinking about you um and 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 yeah gabby you you mentioned it perfectly about just the response to god's truth um it is it's there is a response but it's it's god's truth that is kind of that takes the preeminence which i I think is really really good to know um i was gonna ask a question about kind of public private um because i i know kind of something i was thinking through recently of just some people who may prioritize their own bible study and their own private time with listening to a sermon or, or going to a bible study at church and yeah how 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 should we think through that so how should we think through contrasting our kind of private morning devotionals with listening to god's preaching in a community um yeah how, how should we contract contrast both of those things that's what israel first oh <laughs> <laughs> um that's a that's a that's a tough one it's a tough one because i think um i i I take the view that there's i think a a lot more flexibility to how a christian engages with their daily um spiritual devotion than there probably is when it comes to the ways in which we think about um engaging with the preached word on sunday um and so, yeah. So I th- I think it can it can in terms of contrast and it can look different because I think the the private devotional daily life of a Christian can look very different from Christian to Christian. So like a couple of examples that come to my mind are for one, um, f- you know, at least last time we all spoke we uh, on membership br- brought up the anglican sort of system and i know i don't know i don't know how many anglican churches do this now but historically right the daily office has been like a daily morning and evening prayer compline um vespers and so on and so forth those um daily spiritual practices um where you read the scripture and you you pray whether written prayers or extemporaneous prayers were actually meant to complement the lectionary passages and readings that would happen on a Sunday, which would be pre-assigned um, according to the church calendar. And so that was actually a very uh, synchronous model of daily private devotion and Sunday um, public devotion. You contrast that with like, to the other extreme, um, like a more, I'm saying this, I know other camps do this but like a more pentecostal practice right where it's everything is very extemporaneous um and i'm gonna be so naughty what does extemporaneous 
I was oh, about to like say. on the spot, on the spot, like it's not okay. pre-planned. So yeah, um, and so even the sermon, right? You don't really necessarily. I I'll speak for myself. Growing up, I didn't really know what passage was going to be preached until we got to church. So some days, and there were some days where the pastor said, you know, had a word, but God said we're going to spend the whole service praying today, and so there was no sermon because. Uh. That's real. The that's spirit real. moved, and and that's enough for that's. I, I think that's the other extreme example, right? Where um, you might not even know what the sermon is going to be um, on the Sunday, but you yourself privately, you just kind of open the Bible up as you feel moved in the moment. Um, you pray throughout the day as you feel moved. So that w- will probably bear no correlation, right, to each other. Um, so those are, those are the examples that come to my mind, but I think the maybe the best, I said, no, let me not say the best, a good <laughs> um, way to think about the relationship and kind of what I'm trying to do myself, so maybe that's why I think it's the best, um, is to take the sermon from the Sunday and let it seed through specifically the prayer life of the Christian throughout the week. Um, I don't, so at least right now I don't connect the passage and like read over it each day for the rest of the week or, you know, looking forward for the coming service. But I will say, okay, so like lot yesterday, um, my pastor Eric Stiller preached on um, loving your enemies, Matthew 5, 43 to 47. And so that does look like for me when I think about this week, praying for my enemies <laughs> is like, that was the one thing that I thought, okay, that's what I'll take away. And that was seed um, into my prayer life. So I think that's a good way to connect the two. Um, I'm sure there are other examples that you guys have in mind. Mm, super helpful. And, I, and I, I agree with you. I, I think I tend to do that as well. So like my church has just wrapped up a series on uh, Jonah and evangelism. And yeah, over the, the course of the four weeks that we were in Jonah, evangelism was pretty much on my mind during the week and it was something I was praying about because that was something I was I was learning on a Sunday and discussing with with the saints in the church um and I think that is something that is able to kind of connect the public with your kind of private devotional times or your private times in study and prayer Gabby anything you you was going to add I think you was going to jump in with a gem or two no um yeah I think it is it is the ideal model where you are um well, yeah, I like that. I says synchronistic between your private and your and your Sunday gathering. Um, I'm going to be a bit controversial. Mm. But I suppose this is a place for conversation, and you man will call me <laughs> up if, if, I'm, if I'm even a bit booky. <laughs> I think I think I don't want to. Um, I think we do need to have a higher view of personal Bible reading. I know that, like, obviously, I've got better Christians around me, better Christian friends, work with people. I think we struggle with our day to day Bible reading generally. Mm-hmm. Like if I ask five people, oh, how's the week been? How's your Bible reading been? Maybe two of them will say, yeah, it's been okay. And I don't know how, how honest that is. Three of us will say it's been a bit tough. So I think, first of all, we probably do need to, um, yeah, but it is, it is a significant area of the Christian life and it is something, yeah, I'm always, I'm convicted, even doing this pod, I'm thinking, what's my Bible reading saying? But anyway, um, like, yeah, that like we need to, yeah, kind of um, be, be committed to, whilst kind of emphasising that, I want to emphasize the kind of communal nature of Bible reading even more so than the personal. Um, I can't remember who I was having this conversation with, but it was a while ago. And they were like, it's it's matter of fact that for most of church history, most people couldn't read. 
and they certainly didn't have their own Bibles. Um, mm. yeah, us having a, mm. a personal Bible in a, in our language that we can read is quite a rare and modern phenomenon yes. for most for most of yeah. Christian history. The Sunday preaching of God's word, the Sunday reading of God's word, has been what has kept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Christian mm-hmm. for the week. It's what they meditated on. It's what they were talking about to each other. Obviously, if they were going as a household to go to church, maybe they, it's what they were probably memorizing. Their mama memorizing things because they couldn't read and they didn't have Bibles. <laughs> so when the guy was reading it on a Sunday, that was the only time you might hear God's word. Hence why mm-hmm. the Reformation is actually a crazy thing. If you're going to read it on Sunday, let it be in English, not in Latin. Okay, that's helpful. Right. Um, and so, and so I think that just gave, gave me a renewed kind of a renewed kind of mindfulness of how significant it is the Sunday gathered together reading of God's word, not just the preaching of it, but actually the, the reading of it, the public reading of God's word, mm. and then the preaching of it being, um, it's not to say that that's, that we need to push private reading down the list, but we need to just put, I think, put the gathered public reading further up the list. Um, Cause I think that's probably been the norm for most of, um, and I think we have it. Obviously, we know very individualistic culture, Western, blah 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 blah. And it it can be, yeah, it can be easy to like be like the the what matters most is me and my private me and what's happening on a Monday to Saturday, and that stuff is important. Um, but that's not to say that what happens on the Sunday is actually this is what for most of church history it has been. That's kind of what a lot of the New Testament is. It's letters written to churches. It's not. There's very few. There's a few, but there's not a lot of private. Um, kind of correspondence going on in the letters it's it's yeah it's god's people together under god's word and so the significance of the sunday gathering just lifting that in my own view a bit but tell me if i'm saying crazy things and people are going to now shut their bible and say gab said monday to saturday i don't have to read nothing <laughs> um yeah yeah that's a yeah so i agree with you in terms of like the historical um trajectory that is that we see unfolding um in that, yeah, this, this modern era is so unique. Um, I think the one thing that stands out to me is that it does, um, I think it's a helpful reminder to not lean towards too much of a legalistic approach to Bible reading that essentially mm. suggests um, that if you don't read your Bible for an extensive period of time every single day, then you aren't like, you know, you need to really question your Christian life. Um, and that, again, you know, like like you said, it's not the other extreme where it says, oh, reading your Bible during the week doesn't matter. But it is to say um, that there, God is not keeping a tally uh, and then accordingly deciding his relationship to you based on um, your commitment to those daily practices. Um and so, like you know, yeah. So I think that's that's a helpful reminder because essentially, when you look back at history, you say, "Wow, so many Christians uh, really did rely on that Sunday um, reading and preaching, and then had to intentionally meditate on it throughout the week in order to to to, to keep it in mind." Now, in fairness, I think the the other thing that's that's probably helpful to notice as well that, like in the medieval, even sort of immediately post-reformation period um what am i even saying up until like the 18th century there were very there were far less distractions that could have arisen to cloud an individual's mind um i think i remember reading somewhere that said the front page of the new york times has more information than would have been accessible to the average medieval um, individual in their lifetime 
Um, and that, and, and I think that point goes to show that one, it was actually easier to, to meditate, relatively speaking, <laughs> it's easier to meditate um, on the word, which means the challenge for us in this period is to recognize the distractions that not just come to us on the Sunday, but yeah. throughout the week that can block the right meditation of God's word from us. Yeah. Um, because that is a big challenge for us that, you know, people 200 years ago, a thousand years ago would just not have faced. Mm. That's yeah. helpful. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. And I think it, it's, it's, it's noticeable on your kind of, in, in life when you finish a sermon and someone will ask you maybe 20 minutes, like, oh, what did you gain from it? And you're like, what was the sermon again? And you're, you're struggling yes. to remember like you're generally like even the passage you said oh i think we're in matthew somewhere i don't know what we're even looking at was it jonah no it was jude what what i can't and i get why some people take notes so there was a period where i used to take notes through my sermons i don't i haven't really done it in the last couple of years but it is really it is really tough to remember and and I, hmm. there's a kind of a, an older brother in my church who always speaks about you know the, the devil wanting to take take away kind of the seeds that are planted in, in God's word and I think yeah that, that definitely could be can be true and, and I think it, that that's why it calls um and kind of emphasizes the importance of fellowship and really having time to think through the scriptures and think through what was being preached because it's so easy for us to forget um which is just humanity how many times do we forget so pro to wonder um but no that that was really good and Gabby I agree with you um I think the balance that we have it's, it's all about finding a balance i think well, of course we have uh the premise of 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 god's pre of god god's sermons and and preaching but we also have such a great opportunity and privilege to dive into the scriptures because we have bibles in our phones and bibles in our houses like mm. I, I go to people's houses and they have like 17 different bibles i'm sure israel has 27 Bible, a hundred percent, probably more. Uh, and, I mean, I did in Greek and Hebrew. There's a lot of Bibles yeah, in the house. ESV, NASB, NLT, yeah. like they like so many Bibles. But yeah, it's like are we reading them? Um, but no, mm. let, let's talking about Bible study and and how do you guys study your Bible? So in your, I'm talking about more like devotional. Wake mm. up in the morning. Wake up at four or five, or wake up at eight or nine when Gabby wakes up, wake up at 10 or 11 when I wake up. Like, how do you guys study your Bible? Go for it, Gabby. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think it's an area of constant kind of adjustment. I don't think I've got one set weight and that's what I, I've been doing for the last six years. That's what I'm going to be doing for the next 60. It's not that at all. Um, so I've just started, it was on the Gospel Coalition, actually, the McCheney, read your Bible in a year. Da, 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 da. So I started that and I'm doing okay. I'm not too far behind. And basically they just give you Bible passages. Lots of people have done these kind of things. They give you Bible passages to read daily. Um, yeah. And you tra- try and keep up with that. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. But I think um, I'm thinking about the times where I think my Bible reading has been maybe the most significant for me during, um, yeah, I'm thinking about my personal work with the Lord. And I think it actually is it's something that, yeah, I said before, like, um, I went for a, a few a few months last year, and I think specifically when it's been spiritually quite difficult, you feel dry, like your Bible's just like this big thing that sat there just like, and I'm saying this as someone that I work in the church, like um, sometimes it's hard to to find the the motivation to pick up your Bible and to read, and then when you do, you're like, what's even here? And in those seasons, the thing that's been the most significant for me is literally like um, 
So like Monday to Wednesday, I'll read the passage we preached on Sunday. And then Thursday to Saturday, I'll read the passage we're going to preach next on Sunday. Um, and so basically, I'm just stretching that meal, that meal that I got on Sunday. I'm stretching it, <laughs> I'm stretching it into the week, and then, um, and then I'm thinking about, and then I'm trying to, yeah, think about and meditate on the passage for the coming Sunday, um, just to give me some sense of routine, and that's been a real blessing. Um, but I think there is probably a little bit of a difference between uh, it's between like reading my Bible day to day and then like Bible study. I feel like they're a little bit of a different thing because reading my Bible day to day, it's like yeah, I got. I got half an hour. I got twenty minutes. I got forty-five minutes, and it's and it's on the go. And then there's and then and then there's Bible study where I'm working in a book. I want to understand the book. I'm reading this. I'm reading this. I've got my pens out. Da 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 da. That I feel like that's a different thing for me to like day to day devotional. Remember the Lord. Remember His goodness. Remember to obey Him. Let's get through the day. Kind of reading. I don't know if that makes sense though. No, Gabby, that makes that makes total sense. I remember when I was in uni, and yeah, a Bible study was was a lot easier. Like waking up in the morning, you you, you know lectures at one. You open up the text. You, you might be there for a minute. <laughs> Graduate from you started working. I have to start work at nine. Got to leave the house at what eight fifteen. I wake up at seven thirty. I've got like fifteen minutes with God, and I'm just thinking this is not a Bible study anymore. And I think it's very easy to kind of get very overwhelmed. Someone was telling me, yeah, you know, that's when I get on my commentaries and my concordance and my notepad. I'm like, what? What? That's going to be Israel in six seconds. What time do you wake up? (laughs) Um, And I think I agree with you that there's sometimes where I'm just kind of reading through a chapter or or, or just a couple of verses and just thinking, what does this mean um, in the time that I have and then praying. And there are some times where like I was reading Micah and I was like, I I don't really understand. I don't really remember the context of Micah. And I thought, okay, probably best to study it. Um, But there's sometimes when I'm just reading through. So I just read through Colossians just to read through it. Um, So just to get it in you sometimes. Sometimes you got to eat, just eat. Quick, quick, quick munch, and sometimes you got everyday like... gourmet meal. Sometimes <laughs> nutrition you got to eat. But yeah, what about you, Israel? Um, obviously, as a as a, as yeah. a preacher man as well. So, how do you find Bible study? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of going through a little um, crisis myself right now as a seminary student, and also preparing for ministry because I've. That's hard. That's the, actually hard. Yeah, the like the line between personal devotion and essentially school is muddied um i go through the murray mcshane i've been doing that since i guess i don't know since king's college days actually um and so that's been a like my baseline is like read the bible and then pray um and so that's i try to do that as daily as possible um outside of that like so right now i don't do any personal bible study um again mainly because i am i'm struggling to even figure out what that looks like um i'm currently in the middle of like five different passages for school um for classes and so um i'm i'm attempting what albert mola suggested which is like to use your um professional work as a minister and to do it devotionally so i'm attempting to turn those into devotional moments um working on that but uh because of all of that on that i'm working through like adding another passage for me has just felt very like ah i don't really have space for this um so it's yeah so i I don't know that i'm in the best place to really talk about um standard devotional 
Bible study, I will say what I did used to do, and this is just what I used to do. I don't think this, I don't know if this is ideal or the best. Um, to no one's surprise, I got this from Tim Keller. Um, but he basically suggested um, instead of trying to expect a lot from yourself on a daily basis in terms of like Bible study or even extensive period of prayer, he was like, you should try having one day a week outside of the Sunday church gathered experience where you personally give a significant amount of time to prayer and study. So he was essentially saying, have your own, you know, privatized church service in the week, which is, he. so his suggestion was, and his, his example was on Monday mornings, for two hours, he would pray for one hour and then study the Bible for one hour each week. And that's it. Um, now, he also had like shorter Bible readings throughout the week and um, could pray like he would do like 50 minutes, 10 minutes of prayer each day. But his main personal devotion was once a week on a Monday. Um, and he said he said that's a little bit more conducive to like the demands of the working life for most modern people um, where you could say, actually, I, I can find two hours maybe on a Thursday evening or Tuesday morning to do that and to really commit to that and Sunday um, instead of, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about that. I haven't done that in a really long time, but um I can't lie. When I heard it, I said, is that what he's doing? Minutes of prayer. I said, is, really? that, is that what a whole thing? Like, I don't know, because I think you grow up in a church tradition where you expect like right. pastors and preachers to be tarrying in the secret place for hours and hours and hours and hours. And oh, then it's yeah. just interesting I, to hear that like, yeah, people work it differently. And he's doing like 15 mm, minutes day to day. Kind he of he week, personally but, does two hours of prayer. He So he suggested one hour each, but he does two hours of each alongside like 20 minutes each day yeah that's and yeah yeah i mean i don't know like, when i when i when i divided it up i was like two hours spread over the week really is like a 40 minute session each day um yeah anyway, and it's interesting yeah. like i suppose that there are commands in scripture i don't know i, I don't know scholar correct me i don't know what we're to, we're to meditate on God's law. We're to pray without ceasing. We're to be talking to our father. Da, 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 da. But I suppose what that looks like fleshed out in the... That, those things are commands, but there's not a command to say you have to do 17 minutes. And right, minutes. yeah. And that, what that looks like kind of formularized mm -hmm. in your week structure is one thing, but the, the momentum and the dynamic is to be in relationship with your father, walking with him, praying, um, meditating on his word. Um meditating I suppose throws up a different kind of dynamic to bible reading for me anyway which has been memorization mm. um mm. yeah I can read something and just read it and be gone that like I'm gone right. but if I spend a week two weeks just trying to memorize something I remember one time I'm gonna divert I'm going left I'm going um <laughs> I think when I was at Oak Hill we went on like a like a you know crossing cultures whatever whatever we went to the mosque um and they were talking about the school that they had in the mosque and the children, and, and lots of Muslims do this, they'd memorise the Quran, and sometimes they've memorised it in a language that they don't speak or understand. And I remember being so convicted, like, these guys have memorised the Quran, eh, the Quran, uh, not not Yahweh scriptures to us in the Bible, and B, and in a language that they don't actually necessarily understand themselves. I'm so convicted that I have God's words in my hand daily. And if I was to get arrested, you know, persecution coming, if I was to get arrested, how much of God's word would I actually know? 
I've, so I said to myself, I was going to try and memorize the book of John. Banta. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. to verse <laughs> John chapter one, um, verse one to 18. And it has been one of the most fruitful things I've ever done in my time. Cause when I'm on the underground back in the day, let's reminisce body to body, <laughs> armpit, armpit on head, everyone's everywhere. Who's getting out their Bible, their phone? I'm tired. But I actually know God's word in my head. Like, I memorized it. That was crazy to me. Like, I can right now, I can be reading my Bible. Just here, locked in the tube. Um, yeah. So, so meditation gives way to that kind of going over, repeating kind of... Meditation, I think it means to twice chew. Yes, yeah, like Maybe a, that's an illustration I heard. That like, it's like a rumination, isn't it? It's like Yeah, to ruminate, to go mm. over, um, to chew over. Um yeah, to, how you do that with God's words. And memorization for me has been a really helpful way to do that. No, Yeah, I agree. I, I think I was trying to memorize Jude with a sister last year and kind of got to like three quarters. And It's doable. It, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely doable. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And even now, kind of revisiting it, and I'm like, oh, I still remember so much. And, and as you begin to chew on it and begin to ruminate, I think that's where the, the light comes in because you start Can to I throw in through. one last thing? Of course you can. Especially, especially I think... I feel like I feel bad if I didn't mention this, especially as a girl. <laughs> when it comes to Bible reading, I think I don't know. Tell me if tell, maybe tell me if I'm crazy for this. Um, I think sometimes that whole like Instagrammable, you want to have a moment like th- there's like there's like a romanticized way of reading the Bible. You want to have a nice coffee and you want your desk to be clean and the sun maybe to be shining and then you're gonna meet with God as you read your Bible. Do you know what I mean? And it's almost like, and it's going to be this deep, intimate, emotional connecting, and you're just going to come out refreshed. And it's almost as though if, if, if your Bible reading isn't all of that, then it was a waste of time. If your room's a mess and the scene ain't set and there's no candle lit, then it, it's not it's not the substantial Bible reading that it ought to have been. Um, like if you can't do it all, if you can't have that full Instagrammable moment, then just that, that just eat your Bible-ness, that kind of doesn't hit the spot for us. And I think girls, I think sometimes we can be particularly kind of, um, yeah, dissatisfied with our Bible reading because it doesn't, it doesn't match up to our romanticized view of what that moment of the Lord should look like. Um, yeah, sometimes it is just on, on the corner of your bed, but the light is grey outside and you just read your Bible and um, there's no intimate there's no candle, there's no like the, all the feelings. Sometimes you got to eat for nutrition, not for gourmet, like. Um, but I think sometimes if it's not gourmet standard of Bible reading, we don't we don't want to eat. We don't want to eat it unless it's. So that's why, and it's interesting. Maybe that's that like Tim Keller. Two hours on a Saturday, you go to the park, want to read your Bible and walk with the Lord. Praise God for that. But sometimes it's twenty minutes. I need to hear my father's voice because I need to hear his voice. Um, tell me if I'm wild, Mary. Though I'm wild. No, I, I agree with that. I I think sometimes Bible reading and studying God's word can be quite overwhelming. And I remember when I was younger, it was so unhelpful. But a pastor was like. You know, God has asked us to tithe ten percent, so we should give ten percent of our time. Can you not give two point four hours a day to God? And I remember going home thinking, okay, wow. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna yeah. try and give yeah. God like two and a half hours, two wow. two hours and forty minutes. I'm gonna see yoke. Imagine that. Yoke. Yeah, like, imagine growing up hearing that. Hours. <laughs> and I remember this thing. And some people was not doing it, but some people had some. Of course, you know, there's prayer warriors. I was just thinking, bro, I, I'm struggling after. <laughs> few minutes and of course we'll, we'll cover prayer in future but studying your bible after i've read a couple of chapters man's a bit tired still but there there's there's something so um god is so compassionate and, and able mm. to, to to work with the mind to work with the body that reading a verse reading a, a, a passage reading a chapter uh there's so much life in it 
because it's God's word. And, mm. and I think that's, that, that's something for us to take away in, in however we study our, our Bibles, just to be studying, studying to understand, studying to see God and the gospel, studying to see truth and, and, and how that relates to, to me and, and the context in which it was preached in. So mm. last kind of question as we wrap up, should I should I still read my Bible if I don't feel anything? So kind of coming back to what Gabby said, like if I wake up in the morning and my last couple of days of reading the Bible have just been so kind of gray. Should I, should I still read my Bible or should I wait until I'm kind of feeling great and up to it to read? I mean, yeah, we, the practice of daily scripture reading, um, daily prayer as well, um, is to practice the presence of God and to conform to the image of Christ. But those are not, those two things, the presence of God and conforming to the image of Christ are not tied to any one particular emotional experience. Um, and so okay. it is like, because you feel like the presence of God is not the, the sensation you feel at the back of your spine. Um, You're so weird. You, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That that is, funny, but that's funny. <laughs> um, that's real though. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, it actually to, to, to commit to the, to the practice of scripture reading and prayer reminds us that we're doing something that is beyond, um, our sensibilities in the moment. Um, and so that's actually a good way of just telling yourself that God is here, um, in the mundane and the ordinary, um, and that his word informs all of life, both the exciting emotional moments of life and the very dry moments of life that we will remember. Like we, It's so funny, like the prayers we pray, the vast majority of them we don't remember. Um, but just like as, just as we eat food and the vast majority of meals we have, we don't remember. They are necessary and important for us in the moment and in the in. And for the shaping of our lives, like the meal I had in 2015 contributed to the person I am today um, in a very incremental, um, slowly, you know, nu- giving me nutrition. I'm trying to draw out this illustration, but you get the point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works, um, but that's that's how the spirit uses those daily formative practices. Um, and so that's why we should, I think, at least that's one reason why we should um, commit to them beyond what we feel in the moment. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd entirely agree. Um, it's helpful to think about, like, you know, people that are married. Sometimes you sit across from your partner and you look in their eyes and I'm sure you're like, this is my guy, this is my girl. I love them, my whole heart, everything is here. And sometimes you're like, yeah, let's, you know, I like them, let's keep it moving. But on the days that you feel a bit less emotion, it doesn't mean that you stop talking to them. Mm. <laughs> I've not got all the feelings of my wedding day for you right now and so let me just fist bump you and pretend that you're not in the house like on the days where it's just normal you're still in a relationship you're still committed to this person the love is still there but it's like, it doesn't always feel like that overwhelming yeah romanticised version of things and I think it can be the same with the Lord sometimes I mean always, we want to always be feeling something We do. I think it's okay for us to pray for that that as we read and as we pray we do experience the Lord we do sense his presence with us but on the day so that's not the case that's, you've not wasted your time um, you've been talking to the creator of heaven and earth you've been reading his words and um, and Jen Wilkin um, says something really helpful that like um, sometimes you read something and you have no idea like what you read something and you're like, okay, cool, cool story. 
but but you're putting things in your heart and in your mind that one day you might have to draw on um you so you're not like the likelihood that you're going to read the passage you need on the day you need it god does that suddenly sometimes but sometimes the passage you need today you might have read six months ago when you weren't feeling it and god will bring it back to your mind um yeah so you're you're yeah you want to you want to value hearing him, hearing your father speak and speaking to him. Yet on the days where you're like, oh, the gospel is beautiful. I just love Jesus. I can't wait for eternity. Uh, I'm ready to look up my cross and go. And on the days where you're like, I'm a Christian. I praise God. The gospel is true. Let me hear what God's saying. Um, yeah, because on all those days he is speaking. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's a privilege. It is a privilege. And, and, and I think interestingly, the days when you're the least feeling it, um, that, that's the day to cry out to the Lord. It's not like I'll wait for me to feel it and then I'll pray. I'll wait for me to feel it and then I'll read. No, one of the ways that I'm going, I'm going to start feeling it, one of the ways I'm I'm going to, to, to sense his presence is by reading. It's the means. It's the means of grace. Um, the means by which we set, sometimes we come around to feeling something is by persevering in reading, by persevering in prayer. Um, as we read God's goodness, that's the things that's going to remind us to feel something. So it's, I don't think we wait to feel something and then we read and pray. It's by often by reading and praying um, that we will come around to feeling something. As we're reminded who he is in the scriptures and as we cry out to him in prayer to say, Lord, I'm not really feeling anything. Um, I don't, yeah, I, this doesn't feel real to me at the moment. Can can you work work in my heart? Can you work in my mind to, to really bring this to bear on my life? Yeah. Right. That's good. That's good. Facts. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Israel and Gabby. Um, yeah. What are you saying, I know we're on the one hour, I, but I'll give you. Uh, no, nah, everything you said is, is 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 what I would have what I would have said. Um, I think I've always just been told, you know, duty delight. Uh, that delight always follows duty, and duty always That's follows. That's helpful. Delight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, even if you don't feel like doing it, just do it. And when you're doing it, the delight will come through, and you'll be like, oh so glad I did this um yeah. and that, that, that happens with prayer reading going to church all the means of mm. grace yeah. even when you don't feel it when you when you are doing it God is so compassionate to work with us and, and to bring mm. his grace to continue but now guys thank you so much this was a really good episode um I don't feel as um I don't know I was feeling like my bible reading this year was a bit peak but Tim Keller says 15 minutes so encouraged I'm look joking. at that license you call liberty but no i'm joking no, said your, it's cool. use your if you need to read for an hour use your hour and read if you need to do 15 minutes do your 15 minutes but no definitely just, just make sure you eat just make sure you eat that's the episode probably make sure you eat but um yeah but once i've contributed the episode title mary you can have it but mary asks me every week what are you saying about the title and i just <laughs> aired that i ain't got a clue but once i've come through with a title praise the lord no make sure you eat no guys definitely tweet us what you what, what you think of the episode give us your thoughts any helpful resources how you read your bible we'd love to hear and as we continue with the church in the wild series that's mm. it bye, bye peace